battery's dead. It's red. Oh, here we go. No, it ain't going to last long. Let's... remember men's meeting Tuesday, so we've got a busy week. Uh, hard to believe that February is almost over already, uh, and, uh, we, uh, and Easter is just around the corner, and so we're excited about and got some big exciting things coming up, and so uh, be much in prayer uh, for our church and uh, for uh, those that the Lord is working on making uh, decisions, and so if you have your Bibles this morning, you turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 is where we find ourselves this morning. I want to... Uh, we look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22 this morning, talk about the subject of being on fire uh, for Jesus. We're looking at the uh, seven churches of Revelation, and this is the seventh one uh, that we're looking at this morning, uh, the church at Laodicea. And uh, remember that uh, these seven churches are representative of the church as a whole, the Christian church, and uh, there's a little bit probably of uh, every one of these churches in in our church and in our Christian life at various times, and um, it certainly has an, an applicable message to us uh, today. And so, um, you know, there's things that uh, are supposed to be a certain temperature. Uh, you know, milk uh, is, is great. That people a lot of times use water, but milk's a much better example. Ice cold milk, mm-mm, good. Lukewarm room temperature milk? Yuck. It's disgusting. Uh, even though it's the same thing, it, if it's not good and cold, it's not good. And, uh, you know, and so certain things are supposed to be cold. Certain things are supposed to be hot. You know, we want, if we're going to have uh, pizza, you know, cold pizza is, eh, it's okay. But when it's good and fresh and hot, mm-mm-mm. And Jesus is sending a message through the Apostle John that he expects his children to be hot uh, for him and to, to be serving, not mediocre and not apathetic and not just kind of laissez-faire, kind of go with the flow, whatever comes will come. And, uh, but rather, Jesus is telling us here that God expects us to be on fire uh, for him. So let's take a look beginning in uh, verse uh, 14 uh, this morning. It says, And to the angel at the church of Laodicea write, These things I say, um, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning uh, of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of your mouth, out of my mouth. 
Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the silver, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyesalve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, he opens the door, and I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And what a uh, wonderful reminder that, uh, you know, we have to be very intentional about our relationship with Jesus. There are certain elements uh, of Jesus' message to all seven of these churches that overlap. And over and over and over again, he has called the churches to repent. He's called them and reminded them that, hey, I know right where you're at. I know your situation, and I know your condition. Uh, the church at, at Laodicea was a wealthy city. It was at a crossroads. Uh, it was a banking center, a financial center uh, of that time. Uh, it had a lot of industry as well. Um, and so it became uh, very wealthy. It's interesting that in about uh, A.D. 70, uh, so you know, a couple decades before John wrote this letter, uh, there was a major earthquake that just about leveled the entire city of Laodicea. Uh, but they, it, it, there, there's records that the city refused Rome's help rebuilding the city. And that gives us an idea of how wealthy and how self-sufficient they were. And when I think about the church at Laodicea, I perhaps see the church in America more here than anywhere else. Because we have a nation that's quite wealthy. Uh, and even, in fact, most of, uh, even the, the poorest of Americans have more and are better off and, and richer than many, many other people around the world. God has greatly blessed us, but in that blessing, we've begun to trust in money, in riches, in stuff. And guess what happens to money? It goes away. And stuff breaks and decays. So then we've got to buy more stuff to replace it. And so the people had Jesus to say, listen, the church at Laodicea, you've, you've become commercialized. You've become like the world. And you've taken my blessings and you've forgotten about them. And so he says, you know what? Uh, I know where you're at. And the thing is, you're neither hot nor cold. You're just kind of there. You're, you're just room temperature. And most of the time, room temperature is not good stuff. 
he said, you know, I wish you were one or the other, so at least you would be palatable. But you're lukewarm, and so he says, I want to and uh, vomit you out of my mind. In other words, he, he says, you know what, you make me sick. And I think that far too often what passes as Christianity in the world today makes Jesus sick. Because for far too many people, if you show up for church on Easter and Christmas, and you have a Bible somewhere in the house, why, you're good. It really is an ingenious lie that the devil came up with. That make us think that, you know what, if we have just a little bit of religion, that we're okay. But a little bit of religion, and in fact a lot of religion, sends a lot of people to hell every day. Because it's not religion that makes us right with God. It's a relationship with God. And it's a relationship that God desires to have with us. And the message to all seven of these churches has been, I want you to know me. I want you to let me be at the center of all that you do. And so he says to the church at Laodicea, see, you're, you're just lukewarm. You're hanging on. You're barely Christian. You, you know, you're barely part of my family. And some of you aren't, you know, don't, don't believe at all. And so he says, gives a message, and he says, you need to repent. He said, this is the only time in a message to all seven of these churches where Jesus says, I counsel you. He says, I advise you to do something. Say, so you know what? Yeah, you got money, and you've been going to Walmart, and you've been buying all kinds of stuff. And you've been to whatever the dealers was back in that day, and you found all kinds of purses different things, you know, shoes that you ladies like, and men, the, you know, golf bags and different things that men like, and, man, you think you're where life is good, but you don't realize that you've lost everything that really matters, and he says, you need to wake up and realize it before it's too late, and so he says, you know what, there's some flames that you need to, to revive in the first flame is this, the flame of revival. He said, you once were alive. The, the church at Laodicea is, is mentioned a few times in some of Paul's letters, and it was a vibrant church at one time. And now it's just there. Not hot, not cold. Just hanging out. Not really doing anything for the Lord, but not making trouble either. And they're enjoying the comfort of their wealth. And Jesus says to them, you know what? I would counsel you. You need to come and you need to buy some different stuff. And it wasn't Jesus saying that we need to buy our religion or buy our relationship with him. It, it, Jesus is making the point that we need to have a different priority. 
And if what runs our life is stuff or money, the wrong thing is running our life. And we all know money's necessary. And possessions in themselves are not bad. But when our, our life revolves around stuff and money, they've become our God. And remember what Jesus said. He said, you can't serve two masters. For you'll love one and you'll hate the other. Left to our own devices, we naturally kind of fall into this pattern of lukewarmness that the church of Laodicea was in. And so he said, you know what, you're, you're, you're not hot, you're not cold, and because you have so much, you don't realize what you really need. You don't realize your wretchedness. You don't realize how even though you once knew me, you still need me in your life. Unfortunately, there's Christians that think, man, all i got to do is go to an altar, say a prayer, and hey, I'm good, no matter what. That's not reality. The reality is that when we follow Jesus, there's going to be some difficult days, and we're going to have to make difficult decisions, and we're going to have to set difficult priorities sometimes. Because sometimes the priorities that we have as God's children are diabolically opposed to the priorities of this world. And so he says, you know what? You need to quit buying the junk. And you need to buy gold that's been refined by me. In other words, he says, you know what? You, you, you've been searching after this world's gold. The only thing this world's gold has done is made you poor. He said, what you need is refined gold. In other words, what he's saying is you need revival. You need to again come to know me as Lord and Savior, and you need to again worship me in spirit and in truth. I need to become the central thing in your life, not this world's gold. So he says, you come and you buy from me. You don't buy from this world. And by the way, here's the thing about when you buy from Jesus. He pays for it. Carl goes and he buys Evelyn a nice pretty ring. And it's probably about time for a new ring for Miss Evelyn. And uh, when he goes to the jewelry store, the jeweler's going to say, yeah, this is a nice... Nice ring, Carl. Oh, Evelyn's going to like this ring. He's going to say, hey, yeah, I like that. Put it in a box and wrap it up. And then you know what's going to happen? He's going to say, all right, Carl, give me some money. And Carl's going to have to fork over some moolah for that ring. He's not going to say, hey, here you go, it's on the house. But how God operates is he takes care of the bill. And it it boggles my mind that this is human nature. We don't like it when people give us stuff. At least most of us. 
we, we don't like, you know, if we were, we'd much rather give. But the thing about God is that he gives. When he says, I want you to buy, he's already paid for it. All we have to do is receive it. And then apply and use it and thank him for it. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. And so you know what? You need to fan this flame of revival. You need to come and be refined as gold. You need to find what is valuable to me and what you're really worth and understand your worth is not in uh, your 401k or in your assets or your net worth, but your value is in being my child. And so he says, you know what, I, I really think you ought to buy gold from me that you might really be rich and that you might buy white garments that you might be clothed. Remember, he said, you know what? You don't even realize that you're naked. And he says, you come to me, and I'll clothe you. And he says, you know, anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you might see. In other words, you know what? Let me touch your eyes and, and let me see let you see like I see remember our friend Samuel was told by the Lord hey man looks on the outside but God looks at the heart he said your ways are not my way for my ways are much higher and so God reminds the church at Laodicea and the church today in 2022 that we need to recognize who we are and whose we are. We need to realize what's important and we need to set our life based on those priorities rather than what the world says our priorities should be. This world says amass as much money as you can, get as much stuff as you can, Get as much shiny stuff as you can. You know, rob, steal, shoot, stab, whoever you've got to climb over to get ahead, go ahead and do it. As long as you get ahead, that's all that matters. That's what this world says. But Jesus says, give. He says, pray for your enemies and those that use you. He gives. He gives. Laid his life down for us. And how dare we think we can do any less, and how dare we cheapen what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. We must never, ever forget what Jesus did for us. We must never get over the cross. And never get over our salvation, because when we do, we're in a very dangerous That's why Jesus constantly reminds us through the Gospels and through some of Paul's letters and some of the other writings in the New Testament that we are to remember what Christ did for us, but we're also to share what Christ has done for us. We're to let others know, not just so for the mere fact of letting others know, but because when we're telling others, it reminds us too what God has done for us. 
And we often all need to be reminded about what God has done for us. And so, how we, one way that we become on fire for Jesus is we're constantly revived by Him. You know what? If you find your meaning and your passion and your things from anything in this world, it eventually will fail. It'll falter. It will leave you empty. But if you center your life on God, you'll never be alone. You'll have all that you ever needed, all you dreamed of, and so much more. Because as much as you have a, a plan and, and want to see your life do good, God wants you to do good. And God wants you to be blessed. It doesn't mean that he's going to just pile stuff on you and make life easy, because it's certainly not. A missionary friend of mine, Paul Creech, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, was a missionary in the Ivory Coast and uh, then pastored in Georgia for many years before he died uh, of cancer. said to me one time, and it stuck with me all these years, said, you know what? Uh, it, it's easy to say... God is all you need until he's all that you have. But when you find out he's all you have, you also find out he's all you need. And there's so much truth to that. The things that we think are so important in life really pale in comparison to what really is important. And so Jesus says, you know what, if you want to be on fire for me, You need to have the source of your priorities and the source of who you are, the source of your identity in me, not in stuff of this world. But then he says you also need to have not only a flame of revival, but you need to flame up the flame of recognition. You need to recognize just exactly what Jesus did for you. And the fact that you are empty without him. Warren Wiersbe, in uh, one of his comment B commentaries, uh, said this, Complacency is an insidious sin because it's based on lies motivated by pride and leads to trusting in something other than God. Like the people in the church in Laodicea, complacent people consider themselves rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. In reality, however, they have lost everything that's important to the spiritual life. When the Lord sees his people becoming complacent and self-satisfied, he sends trials to wake them up. And we see that that was what all the Old Testament prophet books were about. God was trying to speak to his people and trying to wake them up, saying, Hey, you have wandered away from me. Repent and come back. And by and large, the people didn't listen. And now, in the New Testament, we find people doing the same thing. And that God's having to send uh, people to proclaim a message of repentance and telling people to remind them to, hey, listen, turn back to the Lord. And sadly, many do not listen. Because we're comfortable. We're complacent. And complacency is a very dangerous thing. 
is important that we constantly are cultivating a spirit of discontent. And the reality is that the more we love Jesus and the more we know him, the more we want to know him. And the more we want to love. And our relationship with him grows deeper and deeper and deeper. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a one-time decision. It's not just supposed to be a, something we do one day out of the week, out of our week of seven days. The reality is you're a child of God all seven days of the week, or you're not his child any day of the week. And so he says, listen, you've got to recognize this. You've got to remember how important it is to recognize and understand you are nothing without Jesus. But with Jesus, you're mighty special. And you can accomplish a lot with Jesus. And Paul says, I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's Christ working in us that we're able to accomplish anything. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, Without me you can do nothing. The only way we can live the life God wants us to is when we are allowing God to live in us and live through us. When we're knowing him daily. And that leads me to the last point. That not only is there this this flame of revival and a flame of recognition, but lastly, there is a flame of relationship. Jesus said, hey, listen, I want you to know. I want you to come and buy from me. Because what you buy for me lasts forever, and it doesn't cost you anything, because I've already paid for it. But we find this relationship built into to many of these parts of these letters to the various churches. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with him and he with me. And then he says in verse 21, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is saying, you know what's important? Not having money, it's not having stuff, it's not having all the right answers, and it's about knowing me. When we know that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords and we're God's child, the Bible declares we're joint heirs with Christ. And Jesus is reminding us through the Apostle John that if we overcome, it means if we hang in and endure, if we're faithful to Jesus Christ, if we're faithful to hang into the battles, and we're not deterred and we're not swayed by the lies of this world, Jesus says, if you belong to me, if we have this relationship, you're going to come sit on my throne with me. Now those that 
to sit on thrones, kings don't let strangers come sit on their throne. They might let a friend, a family member, but not a stranger. And so Jesus is reminding, hey, listen, if you're going to be part of my family, then you've got to be part of my family. And you can't just be part of the family when it's convenient for you, or when things are going good, or when you get what you want. But when you've overcome, and to be an overcomer, guess what? That means you have to have some difficulties come your way. Do any of us like difficulties? No, we don't. We much prefer being comfortable and things being easy. A lot of folks that you know start out in college and they don't finish. College is hard. You have to go to class and you have to read, you have to do your work. And, yeah, and even fewer, you know, they Seth is in seminary and, and working through that, and even fewer that start that finish. It's hard. Jesus says the Christian life is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But if you overcome, and this is the thing, he has assured us. He said, listen, you will overcome if you're with me, just like I did. He's overcome. He knows how to do it. And he has the power to help us to overcome. And here's the thing. We have to live with him and walk with him in order to do that. Left to our own devices, we will not overcome. We'll be overcome by this world. But Jesus says, you know what? Don't let this world overcome you. You be an overcomer. You overcome this world. And the old says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the answer to us and, and being on fire for Jesus is the same today. It's not by our own strength and not by our own power, not by our determination, but by the Spirit of God working in our life. And by us being obedient to what the Spirit tells us. And to walking according to the truth of God's Word. And so the reminder of this letter is that, hey, listen... We need to keep a constant check on our relationship with God. We have to constantly understand, so we are, we're wretched. And we're unworthy. And yet Jesus loved us so much that he gave his own life that we could become worthy. And that we could become valuable. that we could become precious. And by the way, the Bible says you are precious. You are God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece. And so in order for us to be on fire, we've got to have that relationship with him. We've got to, you know, that's why it's important that we're a part of a local church. You, know, you don't have to be 
attend church to get you to heaven. That's not what gets you to heaven. But in order for you to live the life that Christ died for you to live, you do need to be part of a local church. You can't grow and be what Christ wants you to be without being a part of a local church. Because you need other believers. And you need to serve others. You need others to help serve you sometimes. You can't do that when you're not around. So we need the local church, and we need the Spirit of God working in our life. We need spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study and and so many other things. The Bible talks about how many things there are to help us grow in our walk with Christ. We are not saved by any of those things. You're not saved by reading your Bible or just generally praying or by showing up for church or by doing good stuff or being baptized. All those things are fine things, but they in themselves don't save you. And they don't make you have, bring you into a relationship with Christ. But you know what? You say, you know what, I've already paid the price for you. All you have to do is come come, and receive that gift. But here's the thing, it's not a one-time come, it's a come every day. And we have to continually make that choice because the world that we live in wants to pull us away from God. And I tell you, this world is becoming more and more secular and more and more evil. And it's getting harder and harder to remain faithful to the Lord. And I guarantee you, you can't do it on your own. But with Christ and Christ's family walking together with you, you can accomplish it. So be on fire for Jesus. And here's another thing, and we'll close with this, about fire. That Jesus says, when we're on fire, a fire continues to burn until it's put out. And if you're on fire for Jesus, that fire is going to catch on to somebody else. And it'll catch on to somebody else and if, if, until that fire is put out by somebody. And so our prayer needs to be, Lord, help my fire for you spread. Help others to see the light that's in me because of you. And may it pop over onto them too. I hope God will encourage us with that and help us to be on fire for him. So let's stand together and we'll be dismissed for Sunday school uh, this morning. Brother George.